be picking up again with another one of the cases of healing in the ministry of Jesus. Instead, I want to focus on a particular question. Uh, it's a question that a lot of people struggle with, especially when they've uh, either faced a hard situation or they've, uh, whether it's financial sickness or anything else, uh, people begin to wonder why. Why is this happening to me? Why? Why? Sometimes they might even ask the question, why is God doing this to me? Or why, why is God allowing this? Uh, what's going on? Or why, why has this happened to me? So we're going to look at that question tonight using one of the cases uh, in, in the healing ministry of Jesus. And hopefully you'll find out how to approach that issue and how God wants us to look at that issue. So if you want to open your Bibles with us, uh, please do at John chapter 9. Now, we, so far in this series, let me just give you a, a little bit of a recap. We've, we've seen that the cases of healing in the ministry of Jesus can be uh, divided up or split up into a couple of different categories. Uh, the first category, and we have studied all of these already, are the people who came to Jesus. They approached Jesus. The Bible says the woman with the issue of blood, she came. Uh, Jairus, he came. So we've spent some time studying the people who came to Jesus. Uh, they approached him. And uh, we've seen that there are particular Bible principles involved when we go to God. Uh, there's a protocol. There's a way we are to approach. Welcome, everyone who's joining us. Hello. Thank you. It's good to see you. Uh, and now, we, we, now that we've finished studying those cases of the people who approached Jesus, and all of those videos are available if you want to catch up this entire series, uh, we're now looking at the people uh, that Jesus went to them. Uh, and you'll see that there's different principles involved. Uh, and, and the Bible has some different things for us to learn from these passages. It might seem like a very minor distinction. Did they approach Jesus or did Jesus come to them? But the more you look at this, you'll find it's actually quite important. And it, it, it affects our approach as well, whether we go to God or whether God initiates something in our life. The principles, the laws are different. And not understanding that very simple distinction has caused confusion, has caused a lot of people to get mixed up. So hopefully, we're getting some clarity through this study, and it's helping you. There's a particular way we are to approach God when we go to Him, whether it's asking Him for healing or whether it's asking for anything else. And uh, hopefully, that, that you've begun to see that, and we can get we've been getting this right and improving the way we approach Him. So let's let's go to John chapter nine, where we're going to be we're going to see a particular man that Jesus helped. And once again, uh, just Jesus went to this man. This man did not come to Jesus. Jesus initiated this healing. Um, but I'm not going to do a, a complete study of everything in this healing tonight because I want to zero in on one particular aspect. There's things in this case that we will look at in some of the, the, the teachings over the next few weeks as well. And we'll come back to some of these. So if you've got your Bibles, please join us in John chapter 9 and, and uh, let's let's look to the Word of God. Let's open our hearts to receive and hear what God has for us today. And um, once again, although, although I'm teaching here, we want to hear what the Spirit of God has to say. This isn't just about what I'm saying. Open your hearts. Let, let the Holy Spirit teach you. Because at the end of the day, we want to receive from Him, not just man. And I, and I appreciate his grace upon my life to help me to teach his anointing. But but I want you to hear from what the word of God and what God has to say and what God's speaking to your heart. John chapter nine and verse one uh, says this. Now, as Jesus passed by, he saw a man who was blind from birth. 
In other words, this man's been blind all of his life, blind from birth. This is a long-term situation. He's a man. He's not just a boy. Uh, we don't, we're not told his exact age anywhere right here, but um, the implication is he's been this way for a long time. And so this is uh, another instance where Jesus ministers to and sets someone free who's been facing a long-term condition. I thank God that there is nothing beyond God's reach. It doesn't matter if someone is born a particular way. It doesn't matter if medical science has given up hope. It doesn't matter if, if doctors have said there's no chance. It doesn't matter if everything you've tried has failed. The woman with the issue of blood says she had tried doctors and she was getting worse and worse. The good news is that there is a solution. There is an answer. There is a victory for every one of us if we know, if we'll approach God. The answer is in God, and uh, th th that's the good news. And I believe God's the healer. I believe it's the it's the plan. It's the desire. It's the will of God to heal us all and for us to walk in and experience His healing power. And, and hopefully, through this series, you've been seeing that more and more. Now. Um, Let's, let's continue looking at this man. Now, I want to look really at the discussion that happens between Jesus and his disciples before the man is healed, before he's ministered to, uh, because this is important. And this brings us to, to this issue that, that I want to focus on today, where people are caught up in why. Why is this happening? Why am I going through this? You know, what have I done that, that deserves this? Why, why should I have it so bad? And, and I think a lot of people struggle with that. A lot of people do deal with that issue. You might have dealt with it at some point, or, or you might minister to someone else who deals with that issue. So it's good to understand how to approach this biblically and how God views this issue. Now, I want you to understand this, that the way we think is not necessarily the way God thinks. His thoughts are different. The way God views things, the way God approaches things. And sometimes the issue that is to us the biggest issue is actually a distraction, and it's not really where we should be putting our focus. And it can become a trap. It can become something we get caught up in that distracts us from receiving from God. And we're going to look a little bit at that tonight. So let's look here. Uh, Jesus, Jesus passes by uh, John chapter 9, verse 1. And they see this man who was blind from birth. And uh, his disciples asked him, saying in verse 2, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Uh, Jesus answered, neither this man nor his parents sinned, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. The night is coming when no one can work. As long as I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. Uh, when he had said these things, he spat on the ground, made clay from the saliva, and he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay. And he said to him, go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is translated sent, so he went and washed and came back seeing. This man received his sight. This man, born blind, walked away. By the end of this, he had his victory. Now, one of the things is, is very often, uh, you know, we get caught up in some of the discussion and the earlier things that happen in a passage. And people often use some of the, the discussion between Jesus and his disciples here to prove why they should stay sick or, 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 or different things like this. Now, I've said this before, and I'm going to say it again. No matter what discussion happens in the earlier part of, of, the, of the passage, by the end of each of these passages, the person is free. So there, none of these passages about the in the healing ministry of Jesus can we justifiably use to to back up some kind of position that says we should stay sick for year after year after year, begging and asking and pleading God. 
because you know people try to do that. They try to use some of the earlier discussion and passages to show, well, this is why I'm sick, and no matter how much I ask God, I'm not getting healed. That's not true because every every one of these cases, if you're going to use one of these passages to back up staying sick, then you need to find one where by the end of the passage, the person was still sick. And none of them are like that. In a matter of minutes here, this man is free. This man born blind is healed. He's free. He's got his sight back. If you went to him and you said to him, well, you know, uh, I'm asking God and, 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 you know, I'm like you, brother. I, I, I've been asking God and I'm going to stay sick for many years because, you know, the Lord's teaching me or whatever. God's got a divine purpose. This man will look at you and say, no, my first encounter with Jesus, I was healed. How do I know this is his first encounter with Jesus? Because if you look further down on the passage, this man didn't even know who Jesus was. He didn't. He, when, when the Pharisees questioned him and said, you know, who healed you? He said, Where, where's this man? He said, I don't know. <laughs> this man didn't even really know much. This, this first encounter with Jesus, he said, free. So I believe that's God's way of doing it. Okay, now that's a little bit of a side issue anyway. Let's, let's, uh, in, in some of the next couple of weeks, we're going to talk about some of the other things in this passage where Jesus talks about the works of God. We'll, met, we'll spend some time on that. And we'll also look at some of the things that happen with the Pharisees later on, the religious mindset, because that comes up in a number of these different uh, passages where Jesus approached the sick person. We'll, we'll compare the heart of the father to the, the, the religious attitude and their view towards healing and see how far it had moved from the true heart of the father. But that's for weeks to come. As I said, for this week, I want to focus on uh, really initially on verse two, and then a little bit on Jesus' answer in verse three and four and five. Jesus' disciples came up, came to him. Now, the first thing to notice is that this question has been asked by the disciples, not the man. The man is not struggling with this issue. He is not thinking to himself, why am I sick? Well, as far as we know, there's no evidence of that in the passage. So you can't put that in. This is the disciples. The disciples see the sick man and, you know, I find it interesting that, in, you know, they, they've walked with Jesus as a healer. They've seen him heal people, uh, seen the power of God operate through him. And they don't, they don't actually seem that interested in getting the man healed. What they're interested in is getting their questions answered. They, they, well, you see the sick man over here. They don't say, hey, Jesus, here's another one to heal. We've seen you heal others. Let's get this guy free. They show no interest in that whatsoever. What they want is their questions, their intellectual curiosity answered. While there's a needy man right in front of them. Now, you need to understand this. I understand we, you know, we respect the disciples. They, they became the apostles of the church, leaders of the church. And uh, very often we think of them in, in, that, in, in that light. But while they are with Jesus during the Gospels, they are still in training. They are amateurs. They are not yet experts in ministry. They don't even have the Holy Spirit on the inside of them. They are still learning. And the fact that they ask this question exposes that because they didn't understand some things. Uh, you're going to see here that, that I'm not even convinced they asked the right question. We'll look at that. But um, let's, let's break this question down a little bit before. The disciples come along and they said, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Um, just that question itself, I, I kind of wondered to myself, this man was born blind. How could he have sinned to be born blind? You can't sin before you're born. <laughs> this question makes no sense whatsoever. 
sometimes our, our questions, which we think are very deep and very spiritual, when you really examine them, they're actually not as deep and spiritual as you think they are. I think the disciples were trying to be very impressive here with their question to show almost to show their intellectual theological reasoning, the reasoning of man. Now, they asked this question because there was a popular school of thought in the Jewish uh, uh, mindset those days, which says that every sickness was was directly connected to a specific sin. In other words, when a person sinned or when a person became sinned, you could trace it back to a specific sin in their life that had caused that. So the disciples, they've picked this idea up and they say, well, if this man is sick, he must have sinned. So who sinned? Was it him or his parents that he's like this? And we're going to break this down a little bit. Okay, but um, they, in other words, let's just talk about it broadly first. They want to know why is this man sick? Why is he in this condition? Why is this man sick? Now, as I said, we often ask that question about ourselves uh, or sometimes we ask it about other people and we wonder about other people. We'll ask that. So the first thing, the first thing I want to ask is this. Were the disciples right to even ask this question? Was it the correct question? As I said, they were amateurs. They, they, they were still learning. Now, notice this. When they ask this question, who sinned, this man or his parents? We see this in the word of God, and we think it must be accurate that they asked it. No, this is the disciples speaking. They are still learning. It's not what Jesus said. In fact, Jesus' answer even shows actually that they, they asked the wrong question. This is not the biggest thing. Jesus did not say to them, wow, guys, I am so impressed at how much you've grown in your theological reasoning that you can ask such a deep question. Wow. Jesus shows no, no sign of being impressed with the depth and the deep spirituality of their question at all. Uh, they were caught, the disciples were caught up in why this man is, is in this condition. Jesus was not. Jesus was not focused on that. In fact, in all the cases we've seen so far of Jesus ministering to people, in none of them did Jesus sit the man, the person down, man or woman or child or anything, before healing them and say to them, now, before I minister to you, we need to look at why you're in this condition. We need to solve why first. We need to have a deep discussion about why, why you got like this, and then we'll minister to you. No, none of the cases of, of healing did Jesus do that. See, we often get caught up in the why. Uh, why am I like this? And but that's not what God's focused on. You're going to see in this passage, Jesus is not focused on why this man is like this. Jesus is focused on getting this man out of that condition and getting him free. Human reasoning of, uh, often wants these deep answers. And uh, our own intellectual understanding wants these answers. But asking why. Now, I said, we're going to be looking at this question, why is this happening to me? And I want you to understand this. That's the wrong question. When you get caught up in why is this happening to me, it is actually a trap. It, it, you get caught in a cycle and you become so distracted by why am I going through this? Why am I having a difficult time? And eventually it, it often turns to blame. Why is God doing this to me? Well, it's, it starts on why am I going through this? And, and eventually our reasoning ends up in why is God allowing this? Why is God putting me through this? Why is God doing this? And our, our thinking process goes in a direction that is not in line with the Bible. Uh, this is not the way to approach receiving from God. Trying to figure out why you're in that condition is not what's going to help get you free. 
Now, sometimes afterwards, God can teach us and can show us and can help us understand some things. But when you're trying to get out of something, God, God's interest is in getting you out of it. God is interested in the solution. And we'll talk a little bit about the why, but I want you to begin to understand focusing on why is, is a good indication that we're getting sidetracked. Now, as long as we are caught up in trying to figure out why am I going through this, why is this happening to me, as long as we get caught up on that, guess what we're not doing? We're not focusing on God. We're focusing on ourselves a lot of the time. We're focusing on our situation. Our focus is all wrong. Now, we have, we've learned in this series so far that faith receiving from God starts with focusing on God, who he is as the healer. And as long as we start getting caught up in why am I going through this, we begin to zero in. We begin to focus more and more and more on the situation. And we take our eyes more and more of God and his word. And I believe the enemy uses this as a trap. We think we're on the right thinking path, but we're not. The disciples were not accurate for asking this question. What they should have done is been focused on getting this man free like Jesus was. But let's examine this question. Well, we'll we'll mention some more about that in a minute. Let's examine their question a little bit. Uh, As I've said, they didn't actually specifically say, why is this man? They didn't ask a, a very general question. They actually asked a slightly more specific question. Their question was this, Rabbi, who sinned? this man or his parents, that he was born blind. They they actually limited Jesus with their question because they didn't ask, why is this man in this condition? That would be a very broad question because then you know potentially, potentially Jesus could answer anything. They had already decided in their minds it was sin. Sin was the reason. There was a specific sin. Now, who did it? Who done it? <laughs> okay. Which of them did it? Uh, so they had already actually in their own minds decided part of the answer, and they limited Jesus by, by restricting him with their question, who sinned? And uh, they wanted to get focused in on that. Now, like I said, how could this man have sinned before he was born? That doesn't make any sense. So clearly it wasn't him who sinned, all right, because he was born this way. Um, you know, we get very caught up uh, in trying to find a, a reason for things. Uh, and, 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 you know, Christians, in this instance, this was the disciples asking this about the man. They're looking at this man saying, who, who did wrong that he was like that? And the first thing is they're actually judging this man. They, 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 they're not, now, we'll talk about in a minute about when we ask about our own lives, you know, why am I in this condition? But in, in this particular instance, they're looking at this man and they are drawing a conclusion that somebody has sinned who did it. Now, for example, I'm going to be really honest with you. My answer would be, guys, it's none of your business. <laughs> okay, We as Christians are not supposed to be going around trying to examine everybody else and figure out why are they in such a bad situation. And Christians love doing that. Christians, we, we love to, you know, some, some bad thing happens on the other side of the world. There's a big bad earthquake or a tsunami or some bad weather condition. And before long, you'll hear Christians starting to say things like, yes, that happened to that country because they rejected God. And, and, and because of the idolatry in that country, it happened there. And we start to assume that there's deep reasons why things happen. And uh, I'm going to look at a passage in a minute related to that. And, you know, we love to look at why this is, why is that person going through that? Well, they, you know, they must have done something really bad to be going through such a bad situation. 
Uh, now, you need to understand this. How bad the situation is or how serious the sickness is does not is not a reflection of how bad that person behaved. I know lots of people who've done really, really bad things who never get sick. <laughs> you look at some of the really, you know, uh, people who've done awful things on this planet. Some of them aren't getting sick all the time. Okay. Now, Jesus actually covered this issue in another scripture in Luke chapter 13. Now, when, when we as Christians want to look around and we want to point fingers and start saying, oh, yes, something, they must have done something really bad to be in that condition, or that country must have really rejected God, God's judging them. I sometimes look around and say, what, you, you're honestly saying our country is more godly than theirs? <laughs> you know, obviously, idolatry, they rejected God in that country. Well, if that's what happens to countries that are not serving God, you better, you know, I'm going to be concerned about our country. I'm going to be concerned about your country. A lot of, just about every country on this planet is really rejecting God a lot at the moment. Okay. So just assuming that one country is going through something bad because they rejected God is not always the right conclusion. It's the wrong line of thinking. Right. Now, let's look at Luke chapter 13 for a minute here. I want you to understand that bad things happen. And very often, it's not about trying to figure out why. It's about trusting God to get out of it. Okay? Luke chapter 13. Uh, there's an issue that comes up here in verse 1. Luke chapter 13, verse 1 says, There were present at that season some who were told about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. And Jesus answered and said to them, Do you suppose that these Galileans were worse sinners? than all other Galileans because they suffered such things. In other words, some particular there's a particular group of Galileans, and Jesus was referring to an actual event that had happened. Some Galileans, Pilate had taken their blood, he had mixed it with the sacrifices, in a sense, corrupting it. And in a lot of people's religious minds, that would have almost corrupted their death. And people were like, oh, wow, they must have done something really bad. They must have been bad sinners for that to have happened to them. They died an awful death. They must have been bad sinners. So Jesus brings this issue up and he says, do you think they were, and he uses this, worse sinners than all the other Galileans? In other words, than the rest of you, because they suffered such things. Do you think that because they were suffering, their suffering was bad, that's proof that they were worse sinners and that they had done something bad? And then he says, I tell you, no. Well, he said, no. So they're not going through something worse because they were worse sinners. All right. Uh, he says, I'll tell you, no, that's not the reason they had a worse situation than other people. But unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. He says, don't focus on what other people are thinking in our minds. Well, they must have done something bad. So that's why they are suffering such an awful sickness. So stop focusing on what you think other people have done wrong and why they, why they must be suffering something bad because they, went, they must have done something bad. And, and Jesus said, focus, you sort yourselves out again. Stop focusing on all of that, what they've done. And then he says, verse 4, and he uses another example here. He says, of those 18, he talks about 18 people on whom the Tower of Siloam fell and killed them. So the Tower of Siloam had collapsed and killed 18 people. And he says, do you think that they were worse sinners? The key is worse sinners than all, all other men who dwelt in Jerusalem. In other words, do you think because they died such a horrific death that they must have done something really bad? Jesus is asking that question. 
And again, he says in verse five, I tell you, no. In other words, the, the, the seriousness of, of, of how they died, the horror of how they died is not a reflection of them being worse sinners than anybody else. And then he says this, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. In other words, stop focusing on what you think they did wrong and get yourselves right before God. And so he's trying to show this. See, Christians, we think that, again, some bad thing happens in another country. And we think, well, that's because that country rejected God or they've obviously something. And we, we start coming up with all kinds of reasons. We want to point the finger. Okay, That's what the disciples were doing with this man. He must have done something really bad to be born blind. No, he wasn't even born. How could he have done something bad? And besides that, so then they say, well, it must have been his parents. His parents must have done something bad. Okay. And, and and they are caught up in something here that Jesus shows in Luke 13. We're not supposed to focus on. Okay. So but let's go back to uh, let's go back to our passage in John 9. So that's the issue of, of, the, of asking about other people. Let's focus, let's now look at ourselves when we when we are going through something bad. Um, and, and we often say, why is this happening to me? Why am I, why did I get sick? Why did this happen? Well, you know, why am I going through such a bad situation? Why, why am I the one who's suffering like this? It's unfair. It's not fair. What have I done to deserve this? All these kind of questions, right? All these kind of statements, these attitudes. Now, as I've said to you earlier in this, in the, in the, in, in, in today's class, this is a trap. This is not a biblical way of thinking. This is man's way of thinking. This is how we think. And if we get, if we keep ourselves thinking on that line, we're going to, we're not going to be focused on faith and trusting God. We're going to be caught up in a trap and the enemy will quite happily sit on your shoulder and feed you more. Oh yes, this is why, this is why, this is why. Okay. Now, when you look at the Bible, there are a couple of instances in scripture where something happened and it was directly connected to something they did in their life, uh, a bad situation. However, it is not every situation. And each time a, a bad situation happened that was directly co connected to person's sin or actions, the Holy Spirit showed them. God sent a prophet in the Old Testament or in the New Testament, but the Holy Spirit showed them. And, and there's a, but, but not every time that someone died or got sick does the Bible then start to point out a reason. So in the minority of cases, there might have been a connection to something. Now, Christians, we love to focus on that and we make it the whole picture. Let me say this. If, if, and here's a big if, if there is something specific in a person's life, or let's say in your life, that is connected to, that has caused a situation, then don't you in your mind try to figure out, let the Holy Spirit show you. If he brings it up, if your heart is open to the Holy Spirit, if you're listening to him and he begins to show you, look, this, this needs to be sorted out. This is the reason. Then you go with the Holy Spirit and, and allow him to do that. However, if the, if the Holy Spirit is not doing that, don't focus on that. Don't make that the issue. Allow him to bring it up. But if not, you know what you need to be focused on? Not the why. Focus on getting free. Focus on God. Focus on him as the healer. Focus on the solution. Right. That's what I want you to understand out of today's class. Don't get caught up on the why this has happened. Get caught up on the solution, the answer. Who is the answer? Jesus. What is the answer? The cross. Focus on him, the solution. 
Okay? A lot of the figuring out uh, is, is our own minds, is our own attempts. It's our, and, and, you know, our religious mindsets kind of want solutions. Why, you know, why am I suffering year after year? Or why have I got this long-term chronic condition or, 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 or all these different things? No, that's the enemy's trap. You need to understand that from today. That is the enemy's trap getting caught up in that. Um, now it's popular. It's popular these days, uh, or it has been for many years, in, in kind of theology uh, and religious mindsets. Theology loves to talk about what is what is known as the question of suffering. It's this, you know, why? Why is there suffering on the planet? And we want to get caught up in it. And, and one of the favorite places in the Bible that, that people theologians love to go to is the book of Job. You know, and they, they, they often approach the book of Job with this question, why? Why did Job go through all these things? And, and we get so, we love that because we are, oh, yes, why? Why did this happen? Tell me, why did this happen to Job? If the thing about the book of Job is I do not believe the book of Job is about why why Job went through this. In fact, as you, as you study the book of Job, there's a little bit of mystery to it because it doesn't, it, it, although there's a little, a few hints here or there, it doesn't really fully answer why Job went through that. If you look at the process, you've got to look at the whole book of Job, not just one chapter here or there. You've got to look at all the chapters from beginning to end to understand what's going on in that book. Now, in the book of Job, Job goes through a horrific situation and before long, he gathers around himself a couple of his friends. And for almost all of the book, for like 10, 15, 20 chapters of the book, him and his friends sit around trying to figure out why Job is going through all of this. Now, they are not thinking in line with God. This is their human reasoning. They'd have this discussion. And Job says, he eventually starts to blame God. He eventually says, you know, I haven't done anything. And he gets very focused in on his self-righteousness. I've not done anything to deserve this. Why is God doing this to me? And he gets all caught up in this chapter after chapter focusing on why. By the end of the book, God challenges Job and, and, and says to Job, you don't know what you're talking about. You've just spent all of these chapters, this long discussion, trying to figure out this why. That's not what it's all about. God has to correct Job and show him this. It's not about trying to figure out why. And when Job starts to get in line with God's thinking and he humbles himself before God, he gets free. Okay. Now, the, the real lesson, I heard a minister say this years ago, the real lesson of the book of Job is not why did Job go through all those problems. The real lesson of the book of Job is how do you deal with problems when you don't know why? That's the real issue of the book of Job. How do you deal with this, the challenges of your life when you don't understand why they've come to your, into your life? Now, the natural human way is we sit down and we start trying to figure out why. And 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 we and, and even phrases, you know, you hear this. This is a secular phrase. This is not a Bible phrase. Uh, people say, "Well, everything happens for a reason." It's all about the reason. Everything happens for a reason. Some mysterious reason why I'm going through bad things. And, and then people start to come come up with completely unscriptural ideas, like, "Well, maybe God has a divine purpose. Maybe God has a reason. Maybe God's trying to teach me something." It's all in the realm of speculation and maybe. Okay, and, and as long as you are focused on that, you are not focused on the word and you are not focused on Jesus and you are not focused on the solution. All of this is a distraction and it will keep you in your problem, not get you free from it. 
We need to start thinking God's way of thinking and approaching situations with a, with a scriptural mentality if we want to get free rather than, than the world's approach. Okay, This is a trap. Now, let's, let's take a moment to look at, at how Jesus responded to their question. As I said at the start of this class tonight, the disciples asked this question. And just because they asked the question does not mean they were right to ask it. Okay, we, we read this question from the disciples and we assume this must be the right question. It's not. They asked the wrong question. Right. Now, in Jesus' answer, now the challenge with Jesus' answer is there's a little bit of, of, of a breakdown in Bible interpretation in Jesus' answer. Now I'm going to try to help you figure this out. Some of the Bible school students that I teach might have I might have gone through some of this with you before, but it's good to see again. Uh, in the original Greek and Hebrew language, and, and obviously the New Testament was written in Greek. In the original Greek, there was no punctuation. There were no full stops. There were no commas. Uh, the way they structured their sentences is completely different to us. Now, it's very difficult when you're translating a language that has no punctuation to now try and put the punctuation in. And so the punctuation itself is put in by the translators at the place that they think it should go. Now, most of the time they got it quite right. There's a couple of instances in the Bible where I'm not convinced they did. And it's quite interesting because when you the punctuation of this um, of, of Jesus' answer, I believe, causes confusion. In verse 3, John chapter 9, verse 3, we're back in looking at the man born blind. John chapter 9, verse 3, it's, uh, Jesus answered. His disciples had asked him, why was this man born blind? Jesus answered and said, neither this man nor his parents sinned, comma, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. Now, religion looks at that the way the punctuation is and says, oh, you see, Jesus was saying this man was sick so that God could heal him. That is an awful thing to say. That is a really awful. That, that, that makes God sound very sadistic, almost like he, he makes people suffer so that he can then help them and show how wonderful he is because he helped them. And what would you think? Of somebody today, what would you think of a of a rich person who robbed a robbed a, another person of all their money just so that he could then arrive on his doorstep and be his great savior and say, "I'm going to help you with by giving you some money." Well, hold on, you robbed him in the first place, <laughs> okay? And tell me you're the great guy who's now helping him because you're the one who took it away from him in the first place. That's how religion portrays God. Religion portrays God almost like he makes people sick so that he can heal them. And they use this passage to say that. And that is, I believe that is bad Bible interpretation. It is, it is a twisting of this passage that's not in line with the, the rest of Scripture. A good Bible interpretation looks for an interpretation that you can line up with the rest of the Bible. And there's a little bit of an anomaly here that's around the fact that that, that, that interpretation, God, he's, he's sick so that God can heal him. That interpretation doesn't line up with the rest of Scripture, and it causes confusion. Now, if you look at that phrase, uh, that the works of God should be revealed in him in verse 3, it goes full stop. And then verse four, Jesus continues talking about the works of God. I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Now, 
it, it, it seems to break up what Jesus is saying about the works of God. It breaks it up with a, with a, with a full stop. Okay? And, and that doesn't quite make sense. Um, Look at it this way. If you if you if you if you adjust the punctuation now now let me you need to understand this. This is not. I am not changing the inter the, the, the the Greek and the Hebrew. I'm changing the the modern language punctuation in this verse. Okay, so there's no twisting of scripture going here. This is just an adjustment of punctuation, not even necessarily the words. Verse three. Jesus answered, "Neither this man nor his parents sinned." Full stop. He answered their question. They said, who sinned? Jesus said, neither this man nor his parents sinned. Full stop. And I'll be honest with you, that is all that he dealt with their question. The next, it now starts a new sentence. But that, and you could just as easily translate the original language as in order that, okay, but that, in order that the works of God should be revealed in him, I must work the works of him who sent me. Okay, one sentence. In other words, Jesus says, no, wrong question. Neither of them sinned. I'm here. The works of God are here. Let's do the work of God in this man's life. That's what Jesus is focusing on. He says, instead of focusing on the why, let's focus on God's work in this man's life. I'm here. I'm the light. Let's get this man free. Amen. I hope that makes sense from what you when you look at this. This question, Jesus is not trying to get involved in some deep theological debate that satisfies our reasoning. The disciples wanted to be all theological and filled with reasoning and human wisdom with their deep question. And Jesus basically says, guys, no, uh -uh. this isn't about why. This is about let's get this man free. I'll say that again. His answer, neither this man nor his parents sinned. Full stop. But for the but that the works or but for the works of God to be revealed in him, I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. In other words, Jesus said, I am here to do God's work in his life. Jesus focused on the solution, not the problem. And that lines up with the rest of scripture. That lines up with every other case of, of healing. Now I'm gonna I'll talk a bit more about the works of God in another session because Jesus in a number of the the healing cases where he went to the sick person, he mentions the work of God. So we'll do a full, a full session on that just to help you uh, understand some things about the works of God, because there's some powerful truths in there as well. Okay. But basically Jesus answers their question, neither sinned. In other words, it's not about who sinned. Okay. Like I said, a lot of people think that every bad thing must be directly connected to a specific sin. That's not true. That's not the case. It's not, you can't always trace back through a person's life, even in this case, this man's case before he was even born and try to figure out some deep reason. Leave that to human philosophy, reasoning of man and, and, and psychologists or whatever. I don't even want to go into all of that. But when you want to deal with things from God's point of view and Bible answers, it is about solutions. It's about getting the person free. None of the people that Jesus ministered to, did he sit down and say, we need to figure out why before we can help you. No. And that is not how God approaches it. Okay. God helps the person. He sets them free. And, you know, I was thinking earlier, the, the woman caught in adultery. The, the woman, this is, this is obviously not a healing case, but just think about how Jesus ministered to that woman. They bring a woman to Jesus who's caught in adultery. 
and they you know they want to focus on she's a sinner she must die she, she must be stoned and 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 Jesus kind of draws on the ground I believe he showed the woman respect by not looking at her she would have been naked uh, because they dragged her straight out of bed basically and 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 then he says to them those of you who who who, who sinned you throw the first stone and 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 eventually the crowd scatters and Jesus looks at the woman and he says to her, where have your con- condemners gone? And, and, and she says, you know, they're, they're, they're all gone. And then he says this. He says, neither do I condemn you. Okay. Then he says, now go and don't sin anymore. He doesn't say to her, repent first, fix the problem, and then I'll help you. He helps her first. And then he talks about her future. Don't sin anymore. Okay? A lot of people think that in, in order for God to help them, they've got to fix everything from the past first. God is solution-minded. If there is, if, the very big if, if there are times when God needs to deal with something, let the Holy Spirit show you. But otherwise, focus on the solution. Focus on God. Okay? Now, um, so focusing on the why, this is what I want you to understand from this. Focusing on the why is the wrong approach. It's a hindrance. It's a trap. The enemy wants you focused on why you're in that problem because he wants your mind, your mental activity all focused on that because as long as you're focused on that, you're not focused on the word and you're not focused on God. And and the enemy wants you to get caught up in a process of self-examination and looking at the problem. The more you look at the problem, the more you look at me, the more you look at the problem. The enemy is quite happy for you to do that. He doesn't mind how religious mind, uh, religious all the religious arguments you come up with, as long as you're focused on your problem and on you. But once you start getting your eyes off the problem and you start looking at the word and looking at God, now the enemy's not going to be happy because he knows that's where your solution is. Now, let me just talk about this on a broader sense, okay? Because people say, you know, why do bad things happen on the earth? Um, and this is the people want, solution, want, want answers to this. Okay. The Bible does give us reasons. might not be the reasons that we always want to hear. The Bible does show that there are reasons bad things happen on this planet. Now, very often, a bad situation in an individual person's life is not specifically because they did something bad. It is simply, the answer is simply because we live on a, we live in a planet where, where sin generally in the past, has allowed death onto this planet. Sin has has enabled death access to this planet all the way back in the garden when Adam and Eve sinned. And since death has been present, it has had the freedom to strike. That's that is often why. If you re, if you want to know a real answer to the question why am I going through this, it's because death is present on this planet. Not necessarily because I did something specific, because the the Bible answer is that death is present on this planet and because of sin, and therefore it can strike. And sometimes it strikes harder than other times. Our, Our, as Christians, the thing is God has given us the solution in the cross and in Jesus. We just need to accept the fact that sometimes death tries to attack. You know, even even someone who preaches healing or preaches the word, there's times that they get attacked. It's going to happen. Just because you get attacked doesn't mean there's a reason. It just means you're being attacked. <laughs> just means that it, challenges are coming at you. What it, the important thing is what you do under the attack. 
Now, what do you do? What should you do under the attack? Start to drive into the word. Start to focus on the solution. Start to focus everything we've been teaching you in this series. Start to focus on what who God is, what God has provided. Focus on the cross. Focus on the solution. Become solution-minded, not reason-why-minded, if that makes sense. In other words, what's the reason why this has happened? Don't focus on that. Focus on the solution and, and, and focus on the answer, not the cause. Now, I really hope that makes sense. That's kind of what's on my heart to say today. It's a little bit shorter than some of the previous teachings, but I really hope that it, that, that makes sense because what, what I believe that what Jesus wanted f with regard to this man was for them to get their eyes off on why he was in this condition and start to get their eyes focused on let's get him free. Now, this applies to your situation. Some of you might even be wondering, you know, why am I going through such a bad situation? You know, we go through bad situations. It's life. It happens. But the, the wonderful thing is we have the answer. We have a means to get out of it. We have a way to get out of it. We, there is a victory in God. There's on the answer and the solution in him. And get your eyes off yourself and the problem. Amen. So I really appreciate everyone joining us this week. I haven't gone through this entire passage, but, and there are other things in here. Like I said, I wanted to zero in today on just this one issue. Why? Why is this happening to me? And, and that's the wrong question. Don't get caught up in that. Uh, in some of the next couple of teachings, we will we'll look at some of the other things that come out in this passage, which is I want to spend some time talking about the works of God in connection to healing. I want to we're going to look at we're going to spend a bit of time examining the difference kind of I like to call it Jesus versus the Pharisees. I want to com compare the heart. We're going to see the true heart of God when it comes to healing by comparing the religious mindsets to 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 the uh to, 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 to Jesus, to Jesus' mindset toward healing and a, and a sick person. So we get, these are some